What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Trap Podcast. Uh, episode what eight? Ain't encountering the making. I'm here with my fellow brothers. I was also on the USC uh, USC track field team. Um, one of your hosts, Dan Robson, yours truly, and I'm going to pass it down to Austin. Hi, my name is Austin Allen. I'm a sophomore, and I be editing the Off the Track podcast videos. So, what's up with Joel? <laughs> I'm passing it off to Ernie. Uh-huh. My fault. Yeah, I'm Ernie. I'm a senior here at USC, a high jumper, and yeah, that's all you need to know about me. I'll give you all some information out here. <laughs> What's up? I'm Daryl. I'm a super, super senior. I'm a triple jumper. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah that's all I got. Boom, there you have it. We're going to have a good topic for y'all today. Uh, this week, we'll have a special guest. We'll have the man, the only one, Coach Nick. Uh, coached, he coached the jumps. So without further ado, go ahead and tag him in. Holding the man, answer the phone. Man. Oh, oh, there, there he is. Oh, guys, yeah, let's see. Let's see. We got Daryl, too. Now we don't, we don't have Austin. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't know. What's up with Austin's uh, thing? I'm your favorite, man. You are. You are. What's going on? <laughs> I haven't heard from you in a long time. I'm, I'm glad you're still alive, mate. Yeah. <laughs> cool, boom, boom. Cool. Look good. Look sharp. Boom, boom. So. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm digging the hair, coach. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with mine. It's smooth. Y'all see me? Is this decent? Yeah. You look good. Yeah. Hold right. on. I'm the only person that can't see nobody. What? Daryl Shaw. You are quiet. I haven't heard from you in a while either. What's going on? What's <laughs> chilling? Chilling. How's life in North Carolina? I'm here. I'm in LA. Oh, yeah. How was life in North Carolina? Oh yeah, it was, it was good. It was relaxing. Quiet. Yeah. So what are we gonna talk about tonight, fellas? So boom, uh, Coach Nick, I appreciate you. You know, take the time out your busy schedule to come talk with us. No worries. Uh, man, just uh, to start off, how's uh, you and your family been doing? You know, with this whole COVID nineteen, this pandemic that we have going on right now. Well, I mean, I, I don't think anybody thought it was going to last this long. Um, you know, when it all went down, we when we came back from nationals, I think we were all thinking a couple of weeks. I mean, I, I, I didn't even I didn't expect anything like this. So, I mean, we've had to kind of change perspective real quick, you know, and just uh, take a little time for ourselves and and just enjoy the kids. I got two little two little daughters, so enjoy the kids and uh, you know learn new skills and teach them things and just kind of try to stay occupied. I mean, there's not much else we can do. So it's been yeah. okay. It's been okay. We're, we're making it work. Boom, boom. And that's, I know it hit everybody, you know, come off of nationals. We're like, all right, we didn't think that was, this was going to be as serious as what it is now. I know for me personally, I thought 
I mean, I thought it's gonna last like what you said, like a couple of weeks. I thought it was just one of those things where it's like, all right, you'll just push through it. But once they started canceling the season and told everybody to go home, that's when it really hit like, yo, this is something bigger than what it really is. Yeah, it was difficult for everybody. Everybody had a lot of goals, big goals on this team for sure. And actually, Daryl's here. I felt felt real bad for Daryl, right? He was working real hard the whole fall to have an outdoor season and then yeah. had one competition and boom. I mean, it's – Ernie coming coming from Nationals, he was one day away from winning that thing, so. <sighs> no, they just delayed it. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> they just put a delay on yeah. it. Yeah, though. Right. So, uh, for the people that's going to be watching this, I'm sure they don't know fully of you. So, if you could give us a nice little background, you know, of your upbringing to where you're at today. Yeah, um, I'm from England originally, if you didn't guess with the accent. Um, some people think I'm from South Africa, but I'm not. Um, or Australia. I'm from England. I was there until I was about 18, and then I came over to the States. Um, I actually played basketball growing up, and that was what brought me to America. Um, I've, that's why I keep challenging Ernie all the time on the court. I know me and him, we're going to go at it when, when things get back to normal. Um, yeah, he's nervous. But I, he is. He's very nervous. <laughs> we're going to put some restraints on him, though. He's not going to be out <laughs> a couple things like that. You know, but. Um, so I was, I was playing basketball growing up and I came over to play basketball and, uh, I made a couple of AAU teams and things. And I was in Ohio when I first came over here. Um, but it just didn't work out. I wasn't good enough to, to really play at the level I wanted to play at. And, um, I was ready to go home back to England and, and I don't know what I was going to do, but then I, uh, I was one of the track coaches at, at the high school I was at saw me jump and, um, asked me if I'd ever, I ever long jumped, ever ran track, and, you know, I, I had never done it. And uh, I went out there and jumped, I think it was 22-7, I believe. And I, I didn't know if that was good or not. I didn't know anything, and uh, I was still jumping in basketball shorts. And he said, you know, that would do pretty well in the state meet. Maybe you should give it a shot. So I ended up sticking with it, and I got a small uh, – I got a scholarship offer at an NAIA school. And I just wanted to stay in America at that point. So I decided to kind of to take it and change my whole life. And um, I really didn't take it serious until about my junior year. I, I transferred to Manhattan College in New York. And I ended up mm. jumping 24. I think I jumped 24-7, 24-8, something like that. And, um, yeah, I just started taking it more serious. And, and I was studying exercise science. So the whole coaching connection kind of happened at that point. And I, you know, just ever since I've been, uh, I've been studying sports science and coaching and sports psychology, and I, I ended up jumping twenty five seven or something like that. Um, so I did all right. I, I met some people, and it kind of helped me with my coaching journey. And you know, I've been coaching now. I graduated. I got my master's in sports psych in two thousand nine. I've been coaching, you know, ever ever since like two thousand six. So. Uh, and I was self-coached as well for most of it, so I, I kind of learned, you know, trial and error on myself, which is a, which was a pretty cool thing. So, and then yeah, and then I was at my, my first major uh, NCA opportunity came at Berkeley. Uh, I went, to, I was at UC Berkeley for the last three or four years, and mm. actually recruited Ernie when when he was a junior, um, going into his senior. Uh -huh. Yeah, so 
My, my, my boy. Uh, me and Ernie, we used to speak every week, and we used to talk about basketball a lot, actually. Um, and but he, you know, he was he was a little too good to go to to go to Berkeley, but he came here, and it's just amazing how it all turned out, man. So when I was given the opportunity to come to USC, it was, I mean, it was a dream for me. I this was this is the program I've always wanted to be at, and the fact that Ernie was here and and knowing you know knowing that I recruited him, it was it was a special thing, and and that's how I ended up here. So very grateful. Well, yeah, that's, that's kind of crazy. How <laughs> is there like a defining moment in your like career that you were like kind of transitioning between like athlete to coach, and you were like, like there was a moment that kind of like sparked you to kind of pursue the coaching more? There was absolutely. I was, I was, I was in Long Beach. I was living in Long Beach. I just graduated with my master's, and. Um, I jumped, you know, I was jumping 25, 25 mid most, most for the last couple of years. And I met a, I met a, an athlete called Blessing and she was, she's a triple jumper, um, American Nigerian triple jumper. And she was, she was about 28, 29 at the time. And she was pretty good. She jumped, uh, her PR at the time was, um, I want to say 43 high or 44 low. And she was self-coached and I asked, I asked her if, if I could start working with her. And she agreed. This was in December, and I, I believe at the time I, I knew knew some things. I was still new to things, but I, I was confident that you know I had a had some ideas of what I wanted to do. And and I was I coached her from from uh, December through till July that year, and she PR six consecutive times, and she came second at Prefontaine, and jumped forty six one, and she was so over fourteen meters. And at the, time, at the time, she was one of, uh, I think she was only one of two girls in the U.S. that jumped over 46. And that just sparked it for me. I, I, um, I'm, not, I'm definitely not saying I was the main reason she did it or whatever, but I was, I was a, one of the reasons. And I, I learned a lot from her, and she, she learned a lot from me. And it was amazing seeing her uh, progress that way, and it just gave me a lot of confidence. And um, it just lit a fire that, hey, you know, helping somebody achieve, um, especially at 28, 29 years old, achieving something that you, you, you've wanted to do. She's been jumping since she was 14, you know. Uh, it was a really special moment for me. So, you know, and for her to do it at Prefontaine as well was pretty cool on TV and everything. So that kind of lit a fire and, and, and you know, it's been, it's been lit ever since. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Hmm. That was dope. But you also haven't, you haven't mentioned your book yet in your journey. Oh, I have not. No, no. That's I actually wasn't even thinking about it. And yeah, in 2012, I released a book um, called The Horizontal Jumps, and um, mm. and that was um, that was my that was uh, that was my introduction to my philosophies on training. And it was a book geared towards uh, helping. Uh, you know, I would say high school high school coaches, but it really can help can help any any level. But it was it was written in a way to to really kind of. Um, prioritize things that work, you know, training methods that work, structures, systems that work, um, and to help, you know, to help high school coaches really kind of have a little bit more of an idea of what they want to do. And um, I just couldn't believe how well it did. It did really well. It's, it still sells the same amount today every month than it, as it did in 2012. And um, so that, that kind of helped me a lot. It, get, it opened a lot of doors for me. And uh, and it was it was something you know tangible that I had that that really kind of meant a lot to me, 
and it, and I, you know, to this day, I receive emails all the time from coaches saying how much it's helped them. And, um, yeah, so that was a major part. Yeah. I forgot about that. That was a major part for me. So. <laughs> Light flex. <laughs> yeah. That's dope right there. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Yeah. So, uh, with you, I'm transition a little bit. So we all know that you are huge. You know what I'm saying basketball fan. You know I've been saying your little tweets and stuff that you be putting out there. So I just want to know. I just wanna, <laughs> uh, so I just want to get your viewpoint on you know the NBA restarted. Uh, I believe it was like last week. What? So I just want to get your viewpoint on you know how has it looked in your eyes and you know we have the social movement for. Uh, Black Lives Matter. So I just want to get your viewpoint on those things. Well, I, th I mean, I think it's an incredible platform. I I'm, yeah, I'm very pleased to see uh, that they're using the platform in that way. Um, I love basketball, like you said. I came here for that. So to see it back on TV, in the, I, I, you know, it's amazing how they did that bubble, the, the amount of money they put into it, and um, it couldn't have really happened without that. So that investment from the NBA has been incredible, and just giving those players an opportunity to you know, show the world just how important this issue is. Um, you know, the timing of it all with, with everything that happened to George Floyd and everything is, is, is incredible the way it all worked out, the way the timing came with, with it all. But I think it's a brilliant platform and I'm, I'm grateful to see the likes of uh, LeBron, who's, you know, one of the top 30 players, best players ever. But you were struggling to say that. He was prepping for that moment. had to put that in there. He's in the top 30, Ernie. Come on, man. Um, so, you know, <laughs> the fact that, you know, he's a, he's a big star and he's talking, um, you know, he's being very vocal, which he hasn't always been. I think it's been, it's been great. Um, yeah, I watch it. The games are messy. They, they, you can tell they haven't played in a while. Yeah. But, I like the games, though. Huh? I like the games. I feel like they've been real competitive. Competitive because nobody's really playing well right now. <laughs> yeah, nobody's playing well, so it looks bad. In Except the Russell Westbrook, who's you know top three all-time best players, but so he's <sighs> well. <laughs> you guys can't deny anything that I'm saying. So. Oh, oh my god! Top three? Top three all-time? Yeah, it goes Kobe, Allen Iverson, Russell Westbrook. Oh, that's a wild top three. <laughs> wild. <laughs> I never heard that top three ever. No, I've never heard, heard it. Yeah, original. <laughs> like an original. That's your favorites. That's what we're going to say. Those are his favorites. <laughs> Kobe, AI, Russell Westbrook. Amazing. And then MJ is four. Oh. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You see what I be? You see what we deal with? <laughs> Yo. And we argue like this every day about stuff, man. It's fun. Oh man. So I know that, you know, uh we'll soon, us actually soon we'll get start to get back on campus and yeah. you know, we from talking with several teammates, we don't know how it's gonna look as far as like, you know, training. We still have yet to determine they still have yet to determine if we're gonna have a season or not. So from a coach's uh, standpoint, I just want to know um, the adjustments and, you know, your thinking process on how all this stuff that's going on when we go back to school and, yeah, I mean, they really said that we're going to have the season. So as a coach, how does that af affect, you know, 
how you go about things when we get back. Yeah, I mean, I you know, we as a group, we've spoken about it a lot. I always look at it like we don't know when the next competition is going to come. We don't know. Uh, we don't know. We don't know about the season. We don't know about the Olympics. We don't know. We don't know at this point, right? But one thing right. we do know is in this sport, if you don't train and you don't prepare yourself to perform, it's going to be a struggle when it's time to perform, right? So I just right. tell my guys, you know what? It doesn't matter if there's no meets. You, you guys can always be ready. So, you know, we've had um, training over the past, um, you know, a few months as we would if we were in season. You know, we keep, we keep developing specific qualities speed, power, strength, and we, we haven't been able to lift properly, but there's many other things that we can do, and we've adjusted. When we get back on campus, if we are able to train together, um, then we need, to, we need to build, right? We just need to develop right. as we would in any other situation. And, you know, you have your ideal plan as a coach, and rarely do you get to, you know, utilize the ideal plan, but you must have the ideal plan, and then we, we just step back from there. Um, you know, even if we got to go back 10 levels, we still go back 10 levels from the top level. Right. So that's, that helps me. It's very easy for me to do it. Um, even if we got to go back, you know, 10 progressions, like I said, we will, and, and we'll just work our way up. So, you know, we have an option for no weights. We have an option for weights. We have an option for no track. We have an option for track. We, you can make it work. And at the end of the day, you know, it comes down to the, um, motivation and drive of the, of the of the athletes and you know you have to put things into perspective and you have to look at the big picture and even if we're looking at july 2021 as the goal and we're only in august 2020 you know you can still have that fire light bright right. from now until then and at the end of the day every day you choose the perspective that you're going to have and we just talk about this all the time as a group. And things are not ideal. Um, nobody likes this. Nobody likes the way it is. Nobody likes coaching from a distance with a mask on. And, and uh, we can't even huddle up and look at film together. You know, we can't do the things that we do. Um, nobody likes that. But you know what? The team that succeeds the most in 2021 is going to be the team that overcomes all of this has a great perspective from now and does all the little things that they can control and don't worry about the things that they can't, right? So that's the bottom line. If, even if we train twice a week together, let's make the most of that twice a week, you know? And, and we'll adjust from there. So I have a tremendous group and, and the, 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 you know, the entire team at USC is just incredible. Um, so I know that we can do it and I'm, I'm confident in that no matter what, is thrown at us like like this has already been thrown at us that we'll we'll thrive and we'll do well. So. I like that perspective thing you said, Coach. Everything is about perspective, right? Yeah, because when you do put it in uh, like retrospect, you kind of like you're saying you get to kind of make the perspective you want each day. Mm -hmm. And then I know for me personally that some points during quarantine I was just like unmotivated in the sense of like I'm going out to train do this workout every day yeah. for the, I've been doing it the past two two and a half weeks and I feel like I'm just working towards 
nothing. So I took a gap and I took some time off mm-hmm. to kind of like recoup and trying to just build some more fire to like kind of get you to go back out there. But I feel like for some people, that's going to be like the, that's going to be kind of like what takes them either a good maybe next year or maybe like a struggle year for some is that they're able to kind of not see a new perspective yeah. of like what, what, they're, what they're going through or what is going on and not being able to take a step back and like reevaluate what they need to do to get back going or something. But I, I think that what you're saying highlights the importance of um, having different types of goals, right? If you are only driven by winning mm-hmm. trophies, national titles, records, right? If, if they're the external drive, you know, that's the external drive that you have. Mm-hmm. It's powerful. It's really powerful. But during times like this, it's not worth it. It's not there. So yeah. then you have to yeah. have some kind of internal drive. And that is when it really highlights the importance of the small day-to-day process goals that drive the big picture, right? Because when you've been when you've had an opportunity taken away from you and you cannot strive to a meet because you don't have any meets, what's gonna keep you going? So it's really important as an athlete that you have a mix of winning a championship as a goal mm-hmm. and developing my physical self as a goal, developing my emotional self, psycho, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that highlights that. It's really important when you establish goals at the start of the year and you, you assess goals all the time. It's really important that you uh, differentiate between the outcome and the process, right? I guess for me personally, I kind of took this time to like focus on myself, see the flaws that I have and like work on them, improve them. Because when I came home, uh, when this all started, I was in a boot. I couldn't like do much. So I basically focused on my foot. And right now, it doesn't even feel like, I don't even know which foot like that I hurt. That's how like. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's how good I like had to like focus on it. Then I know like it was like technique stuff that I needed to work on, form stuff, a little bit of speed. So I just took all that time to like, all right, let's do this. So when the time comes, I'll be ready to, like, perform at a high level. Yeah, I mean, and you were on a high, too, you know. You, we, man, what you did at Clemson was, was outstanding, right? You remember that day? Yeah. You know, not only did you PR, but you also set yourself up for a goal that you probably didn't even know you had in you. Yeah. You know, you had a, you had a couple of uh, incredible jumps out there. And then, and then to hurt your foot the way you did it, you know. But um, it's all about rebuilding now. Yeah, I just feel like without this time, it just it's more of just saying, like looking yourself in the mirror and just finding a whole learning a whole a whole lot about yourself. I mean, we've been quarantined for what, like five months. And it's like this during this time, this really gonna separate when when we ever have any normalcy or when we ever have like a really schedule. When we come come back, this gonna really we're gonna really find out who's been working and who just been lollygagging. That uh that's how I've been like really feeling lately. Cause you know, everybody is going through the same situation. It's like nobody has advantage over anybody right now. So it's like 
it's really just self-will, you know, that self-desire, you know, that person, uh, self-driven, you know, to be able to accomplish whatever you had rent down as your goal. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with all this, it just going to separate us from the pack because I feel like we know that, okay, we understand, like, the stuff that's going around. Like, okay, we all doing the same thing. Nobody is doing anything different than us. But the only thing that we can do is that mental training, getting ourselves prepared, and just really being all in to what we want to do. Yeah. Absolutely. Making the most of what you do have, right? Mm-hmm. We all have opportunities to do something. And we all have opportunities to see things a certain way. That's going to separate. You guys have all the talent in the world. You know, USC, track and field, we're unbelievable talent. What's going to be the difference, though? You know? So, it all comes down to how you view things. Yeah, that's been the main thing. You know, just, just learning about yourself, really. Because, you know, before this, we all, you know, just wake up, just boom, go attack the day, not even think about nothing. But, you know, just being at home for so many months, you really just learn, not even just about track, just about in life in general. Like, you really learn, you really learn about yourself and a whole, on a whole nother level. So, with that being said, you know, for the days that you've been home, is there anything that you, like, realize that, man, this is something that I could, like, bring to the table or just stuff that, you know, you being at home, you learn about yourself that you didn't know that you was able to do or, or that you didn't know. You know, to be honest, um, it has been really valuable for me. I think, you know, I went from, you know, I had three years at Berkeley and then I came to USC. And when you're so focused on coaching, and you coach nonstop and you have athletes go deep into the summer and you, and you, and you, you know, you win titles and you do things, you, you kind of forget the learning aspect of, of why you got into this field. I'm so busy working. I'm so busy recruiting. I'm so busy dealing with athletes all the time that you forget, okay, how did I get to the point that I'm at as a coach? Well, this opportunity has just been really valuable for me to just step back, get all my books out again, you know, study uh, kind of go back and be a student and reevaluate the system that I have and and the program that I have and um uh kind of look at myself from another perspective um work on my ability to communicate um you know different aspects of coaching that maybe kind of get lost in the shuffle because we're always trying to win we're always trying to jump higher jump further you know what I mean um and that yep. just that lit a fire for me again, which I kind of lost for a couple of years. It lit a fire of of learning again, and um, and researching and, and and doing all the things that I used to do, and um, that in turn uh, kind of sparked me writing my second book. And I've uh, I'm about 150 pages in, and um, it's it's going to be a good one. So I'm I'm working really hard on on that aspect of me, and that's. I, w- I would not have had the opportunity if I hadn't had time, um, especially mm. with, with the goals that we had as a group and as a team. You know, I mean, we were supposed to be we were supposed to be at the Olympics. You know what I mean? So it's, um, 
you know, so in a sense, I am grateful for the time that this has enabled me to have and uh, to get back to my roots of, of, of being a student, being an educator. And that's, that's what I love to do. So, so that, from that perspective, it's been really valuable. So earlier in the podcast, you did mention about your two little babies, your two little daughters. Yeah. And you told us many of times that you didn't, you don't have like had the chance or like the time to see them all the time as they live all the way across the country. Yeah. How just, now knowing that they're living with you at the moment. Yeah. They just moved uh, in August. Um, they were, they were, they've been in Florida the last year and they, yeah, it's, I mean, it's unbelievable. I, teaching them how to play basketball. Um, we just went to the court the other day and I got two little lefty daughters who love basketball. Um, They're both lefties? Both lefties. I'm lefty. Wow. But, but I, uh, I dunk on Ernie with my right hand, though. But, he ain't uh, never dunked in his life. <laughs> I started dunking when I was 13, Ernie. I don't believe it. I did. I mean, hey, I, I got to see, I I got to see that one-on-one. I, dunked I was 5'10 five five when I first dunked. Me too. Five ten. Legendary. Okay. My best dunks came when I was about nineteen, actually, but I could still dunk. Like a little rim grazer. Oh. <laughs> anyway, I'm lefty, but um, I shoot with my right hand. But my daughters shoot with their left hand. So um, I've been teaching them the game. They, 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 yeah, they love watching it with me. And actually, they're pretty good. They're pretty natural. I've one, one, one of my daughters is seven. The other one's five. Um. They're amazing. They're amazing. So it's it's super. It, you know, it's amazing to be be with them uh, as much as I can, right now. And um, you know, but I miss work. I'm not gonna lie. I miss my job. I miss miss you guys. I miss what what we do. So, you know, I can't wait for to be able to bring them to the track. And uh, you know, they love long jumping, so they'll be in the pit and mm-hmm. meeting you guys. So hopefully, we can do that this fall. That would uh, that that makes it worth it for me when I can bring my kids to the track. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for how young was poor athlete? Say again. Do you Oh, Mimi. Oh, for how young they are, um, have you ever asked them like how they feel about this whole pandemic deal? Yeah. No, they're really vocal about it. They're really vocal about it. I I don't know how. um, I don't know how political you want to get, but they're very vocal about uh, about certain things uh politically and they're only they're only they're only young but they are they're vocal they understand they, wow. they understand common sense man it's common sense mm. it's common sense right if everybody in the country had uh, a regular cold or the flu it's common sense to stay away from people right yeah so i mean they don't need to know everything to know just be smart and so they, they get very frustrated whenever they see somebody without a mask on, whenever they see somebody who's who's not following the guidelines. They get really angry about it. And they tell me all the time, Daddy, why is, why are they not doing that? Why are they not doing that? I mean, it's just common sense. And it's frustrating that, you know, political views get in the way. It's frustrating that people just have no no regard for other people. And they see it and they comment about it. And honestly, it's... You know, for as young as they are, it's amazing that they have such, you know, such good perspective on it. I mean, you don't have to be that smart to understand. Just just do the right thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, you got a lot of people that's much older who is biased to everything going on to the pandemic, to the social movements that's been going on. And it's like, what you, what you, say, what you just said, like common sense, like what's right is right, what's wrong is wrong. So that's that's kind of kind of beautiful that you know they so young but they able to understand you know what's going on and the significance of it. So that's that's pretty dope right there. So moving on to from the pandemic, as we all know, you know social justice, uh, Black Lives Matter, you know the movements of equality. Uh, as we're all aware of, you know, it's all over social media, it's all over the television and stuff like that. So going back to your kids, with them being so young, have you actually had a conversation with them about, you know, what's been going on in that particular area or they kind of like know a little bit of it? Yeah, they, they're they very familiar. They, um, uh, their mom is Jamaican, um, mm. African-American Jamaican. So... They lived in Florida for the last year and their grandparents, right? Their grandparents are African-American, Jamaicans, so um, all their family too. So, you know, it's a, it's a big topic and they understand they're, they're light skinned quote, but they're, they're black, they're two black girls. <laughs> and, um, you know, we've been very honest with them about, about the way things are in this country and, and, and in the world for that matter, but, you know, uh, closer to home, like in this country. And they are aware, and I mean, my five-year-old doesn't necessarily, you know, she 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 doesn't necessarily, she's not necessarily all, all about that. But the, my my seven-year-old is really very aware, and mm. we've been uh, very honest and open about um, the struggles and and just the, the the unfairness that's obviously started many many years ago, and and the uh, the divide that's being created by by the president today, um, just the, the yeah, inequality that is for years and years and years and how it's so difficult for African-Americans to get ahead because they are starting from such a different platform than regular right. white people. It's, it's as simple as that. And, um, you know, I was born and raised in a, a very, very white uh, suburb right in England I you know it wasn't until I really got into the basketball culture that things became much more apparent to me and then I moved away and lived in a city for the first time and and just the culture and the mix and uh, diversity was incredible and that's I I fell in love with it um mm. and that's what made me want to come to New York and then made me want to move to California and this is the favorite my, you know my favorite place I've ever lived and it's because of the diversity. It's, and obviously, track and field world is, it's, it's just, it's everything about, um, about every, everyone. And, you know, I teach that every day to my kids. And um, they're very grateful to have a diverse uh, set of parents, diverse family, my mom and dad, their, you know, uh, their grandparents. So we do teach them a lot. They, they do know a lot. And it's, it's the whole situation is just very sad. The bottom line is right. it's very sad. I mean, it's things have to really change at the highest, highest level um, for things to really, really change. And 
because money drives so much of uh, of the decisions politically, I just I'm not sure that uh, I'm not sure when it can change. It, it's it's it, the system is so so far gone uh, mm-hmm. in terms of money, in terms of just the way the money is running this entire you know entire world basically. And it's so right. it's so it's so unfair that um, I think an entire generation or two needs to die out with a new uh, mindset of the younger people in order for it to change. And it's 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 very difficult. So. <clears throat> I guess it's like I'm kind of like glad that your daughter, like at the age of seven, she is very aware of like what's going on, because like. For me and myself, it took me, I believe, when I was, like, 13. Okay. Well, those first, like, when it first was Trayvon, it was, like, 11. And that was kind of, like, a little introduction. Mm-hmm. Then I saw, like, what really hit me was, like, Tamir Rice. Because I look at my younger brother, and, like, they're, they were the same age when he passed. Great. So, like, now mm-hmm. I'm looking at, like, everything. I was, like... Things are different on my side than the other side. Mm-hmm. So I guess, like, for me, I try to look at the younger generation. It was like, y'all, we, we will lead y'all as y'all are the key. We will teach y'all what is going on. So when y'all time has come, y'all can somewhat fix it, then do the same thing for the, the generation of them the younger generation of them. So we still be like a continuing cycle. You know, the the difficulty is the cycle though, right? The difficulty is there are so many pockets in this country of self-taught bubble educated communities that preach hate and divide among themselves and they live in their bubbles. And there are so many bubbles around the country and especially now with social media and, and technology, those bubbles can connect. And mm. when those bubbles connect, it just makes them bigger. And you're always going to have the, the, the opposing side because of it. And it's, it's, it makes it really hard. Mm. I didn't even think about it like that. But I get, like you're saying, like how it can be one hate group connected to another one. And right. Now you have a, a allegiance of four hate groups. Yeah, and they're self-educated hate groups. So it's what they're preaching. Which is the the most dangerous sense of ignorance. Right? Because, again, they they believe what they're taught. Mm -hmm. And if you are taught that in isolation for the longest time, it's very difficult to change your mindset. And then that's the problem. They're kept isolated for so long that they can't change their Mm -hmm. viewpoint. Yeah. It does suck to yeah, see yourself in America, like, as just being a black person and just, I feel like just being a citizen with any type of compassion, just seeing that you can, that our country is in a pandemic and we're in the middle of, like, our probably one of our worst divisions almost in a sense of, like, just racial tension-wise and, and uh, politically-wise, it's an election year and it just seems like, America is just like adding more wood to the fire to just make it worse and worse. 
and it does and you want to like you feel like you can see change but then it feels like it just gets real stagnant or it always like kind of just goes back to the same old systems like we've been saying like they yeah. kind of do things to say or show that they're making progress toward your allegiance or whatever in a sense and then it kind of just dies down stalls out media doesn't necessarily follow up on things yeah yeah one day they'll change one day they'll change me yeah because i know for me you know you living in atlanta i'm in the heart of everything like it really started in the south so I seen a little bit of everything, you know, while I was growing up. And I just feel like, like I always tell people, like racism, hatred, that's that's been taught, like, in the home. You know, you're not, like, it's not something that you're born with to hate somebody, you know, just because they differ from you and things of nature, that nature. And I also believe, like, as far as, like, educating people, man, the schools out here, like, in the South, they is is a hot mess because like for one they don't tell the whole truth of you know passage then and it's like every time february rolls around that's when they want to give like a a preview of black history and we all know that there's many other events other than you know martin luther king march on washington rosa parks it's like they say the same things to where you know is with like what you said, coach. That bubble that they trying to put people in is oh, this is what happened. We are gonna talk some talk about something else. So I feel like you know people at home when they got kids, it's like really, it all starts with teaching them at home yeah. the true value of love, the true value of you know what racism is, what it's not. Because no one's gonna teach you, no one's gonna teach their child about it in a different setting. Right. Because they try to summarize and shorten uh, the history of everything. And they're not really telling the right story. Majority of the time, they just make it up stuff. Absolutely. And everything has a bias. And the majority of education bias is from one side of the, one side of the coin, right? Yeah. And that's, you know, again, that's, that's unfortunately the bias that is throughout the entire country. Um, it's heavily favored towards one demographic, one, one side of money, one side of, uh, opportunity. It's, it's a sad thing. It really is. That's one of the things about social media. It's kind of have like a love hate thing with social media, but I've learned so much about like black people and their history that if I was never on Twitter, on Instagram, I would have. I wouldn't even know where to start with like researching it and learning about it, like where we've been in history. So that's one thing. It's good and bad, but that's one great thing about it. Sure. Yeah, it gives people a voice, right? And that that's again, that's what's good and bad. It gives people opportunity to talk and, and speak and teach and preach. And that is what's good and bad. That that aspect of freedom is what's good and bad about this country. Yeah. It's, it's just a real difficult, you know, um, yeah. it's essential, but it's also a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially the news outlet. Because 
especially when all you know the the movements, the marches that's been going on uh, for the past like two months, and it just feels like they only want to show when stuff get out of hand. And I know I was scrolling through Twitter, and I know Minnesota was still having uh, their protests, and I didn't even know. Yeah. But that just goes to show that the media only want to put a certain image on certain cultures when they, you know when events happen like this and that goes like like what you said that bubble like that bubble is really getting tiring and it's starting to show in, in our generation because you know it's been going on for so long and I just feel like one thing I'm proud about that our generation that we are ambition like you're not just gonna say you know any kind of thing we're not gonna do just anything and expect us just to brush it off our shoulder right. so like the media has been the vocal point of everything and it's like for me for change that's that's one of the changes i kind of been uh speaking out is that you know the media the media need to show everything not just show when you know somebody tear down a building and we all know that it was this certain group that was told to go out there and tear tear it up tear the city up sure and just just putting that image the right image putting everything on the table not just any whatever they want that's but really again, again that's that's one of the downfalls of freedom right because if you spend an hour and watch fox news and then you spend an hour and watch cnn you might as well be in a, in a different planet. Yeah. And yeah. That's, that's crazy when you really think about it. Mm-hmm. How is it possible for two really shouldn't to have such a different perspective on, 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 on life? And it's scary. It really is scary. If you really spend an hour and watch Fox, you... <laughs> and, you know, you're preaching to a lot of uneducated people. Those, those uneducated mm. people who don't really have a lot of opportunity, they latch onto whatever they, 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 they hear and they believe and they're, they're exposed to. Mm-hmm. And that, again, that yeah. is making the bubble just grow. It's, it's hard. It's, it's, it's not a good situation. Mm-mm. Feels like a losing battle almost because you feel like you can, you almost kind of can educate and you can do all the things that people have access to all the other things they per se, want to learn. Maybe not everybody, of course, but um, a lot of Americans probably have access to a computer or some sort or internet, and you're willfully, will, you're willingly point, like choosing not to educate yourself or not want to learn. But well, a, a lot of that comes down to, you know, where are those people? If you are in a community yeah. and, and what surrounds you... Mm-hmm. And this is where you live. You don't have a lot of money. You don't have a lot of opportunity. This is where you've been raised. You're in a community with a thousand people that all watch Fox News. They're mostly racist. It's going to be really hard for you to break out. Yeah. yeah. And and you're forced to be um, to, to 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 want to belong to a community. Everybody wants to belong, right? That's part one of the human you know, um, needs is to belong to something. And, um, it just, that's, that's what's so hard for a lot of people, you know, they, they need to belong to something. And, and if that's all, you know, and that's what you're surrounded by, 
uh, it's very difficult for you to change your, your life, change your perspective. Even though you might know it's wrong, it's, it's very difficult for some of those people. Mm -hmm. And going back on the media, so me personally, like before, I didn't like like protests because like they never like stuck. It would be like people would like, protest for like three days and they'll like die out. And like the news media would just like sweep it under the rug. But for mm. this, it's been like, it felt different as like, it just kept going on and on and on. And what the media is trying to do, they're trying to like sweep under the rug, but it keeps like coming out of it. And like, that's why I like so amazed about what we're doing now. Cause this is something like you can't just hide. It's like, you have to like face it. Yeah, I, I wonder, um, obviously the, the graphic nature and just unbelievable disregard of life that, that basically sparked it all. Um, but I, you know, I'm, I wonder if it wasn't a, if it wasn't a, uh, um, an election year, you know, yeah. I wonder if it would have jumped off as much uh, from a media standpoint, because it's no, no secret that, you know, certain news channels, want to highlight it because they know it's detrimental to Trump's chances of being reelected, right? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. unfortunately, there is always an ulterior motive, it seems. Mm -hmm. And um, whatever highlights to help, though, could be a positive, but we have to stay on educating and, and just forcing the, the real truth down, down people because otherwise they don't want to know. Mm -hmm. So... Now, would you, you know, as we talk about the media, you know, the protests, uh, things of that nature, do you see any potential change or have you been, you know, advocating whenever you talk to people about some things that you would like to see different? I think the more this type of thing is loud in people's faces, the way it's been, mm -hmm. I think change has to happen. 100% has to happen because it's too, um, it does reach more people. The louder, the bigger, the, the longer it, it goes on, undoubtedly it reaches people and it becomes a real serious thing. Businesses jump on it. All these things have to, you know, when, some, when a business or, or an individual or celebrity or whatever it is, when they, when they publicly jump behind something so, so, so uh, aggressively, they're upheld to that standard, which means over the next many years, that company or individual or whatever it is, they have to uphold to that standard. They have to demonstrate that they are acting on what they're saying, you know, their belief. You know, so that alone will, will create change. And the thing is, if that happens enough over a long enough time, generations and their mindsets change. Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's absolutely essential that it continues um, because it's the only way a lot of people get to see this. And there are so many people oblivious. There are so many people oblivious. They're not exposed to it. And this is, this is a way of getting them exposed to it. And over time, and it takes a long time, but over time, yes, mindsets and generational mindsets and, and, and generational teachings will change, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we want. That's what we need. We need that to happen but if the political system stays the way it is um it's going to be very difficult 
for long-term systemic change to happen because the people that run those systems, they don't necessarily want it to be any way equal because they've had it so screwed for so long. They don't know how to live without 90% of the income, you know, for themselves. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, it's a very difficult thing, mm. but eventually, yes, it will absolutely change, but it has to keep going. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Wait, I've been working on my kicks. I don't want to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) I I keep telling Ernie when he's done with high jump, he could be a world-class taekwondo player. They don't want me out there in that ring. No, I don't like getting hit. So, (laughs) might just keep myself out of there. (laughs) Better jump high then. (laughs) Do that, Coach. Thing you didn't mention yet. uh, I think the people should know you're a man of many talents. Man, let us know. Make make music. (laughs) What? Dart player. God. Yeah, this is the man. Of, this is the jack of all trades. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know about that. Yes, sir. I do make music. Um, progressive house, melodic techno. Uh, um, not the. Uh, whenever I say progressive house, I, I immediately think of things like um, dubstep, Avicii, and and the stuff that you hear on the radio. Not mm-hmm. that stuff. I don't make that stuff. I don't make cheesy pop, oh, okay. pop, <laughs> pop house. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you can check out Nick Newman on Spotify or YouTube or Beatport or uh, iTunes. <laughs> okay. 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 Yeah, man. I like melodies and emotional music with no words. Ernie, Ernie loves my stuff. Listens to it all the time. I have listened to it. It's actually pretty good. <laughs> I don't listen to house music. You might need to drop a little playlist to go along with it. Sometimes we put a little something. <laughs> Ernie's introduced me to some music. Uh, absolutely terrible music, but... Hey. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's terrible. Some Hold on, what you, you been putting on? Some, I don't even know. Some of it's terrible. I don't know if it, you can say that. Because... The group likes it. So, yeah. what, what you been uh, putting them on with? You know, the essentials. <laughs> ah. You know, hey, the- listen, I love Eminem. I love Tupac. I love Lil Wayne. I love Drake. No, I don't like Drake. Okay. I don't know. Do hey, I like Drake? You I do know. like Drake. I, I might like, like Drake, Drake, actually. You like Drake. You have to. I think I like Drake. Uh, you don't like the Toronto King? The Six God. Like six all three? <laughs> So many of the people that you play, Ernie, I, I don't like. I, they sound like um, little kids doing it. It's weird. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> you know what he does like, though? DJ Quick. Remember that one song I played and we were dancing are, are to you it? Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like a nice groove, right? I like groove to the music. And some of the beats nowadays, just they don't. It's not doing it for me. Yeah, I hear oh, you. So you like the Migos. 
maybe. <laughs> He's more of a Frank Sinatra type of. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. Not at all. It's been good talk, fellas. Really. I've enjoyed it. Me too. Yeah. I didn't know what to expect. It's been cool, though. D-Rob never told me you guys were going to be on it, so I didn't expect you guys to be here. You know, I had to, I had to, I, I couldn't tell you everything, you know. I had to, I had to let you see it. I like that. <laughs> and I miss Austin so much. I'm so glad to be looking at his face. I know you miss me, you know. I do. <laughs> a lot. You need to, you need to jump, jump far again, man. That was a good yeah. day in Clemson. I enjoyed that day. <laughs> it was a good day. It was a good day. Real good. Austin, you need to watch out for me, too, in long jump. I'll show you, you know. I saw that video. I'm actually pretty excited about that one. Austin, it's a new year now. <laughs> I'm hey, I said to you all along, you just got to keep training. But I got you. You just come off that injury, right? So, you know, it's going to happen next year. Now we got Jordan, too. Woo. Mm-hmm. What a squad. What a squad. Studs. D-Rob said he wants to watch him, too. It's great. Can't wait. You know what I thought about? We got to if there's, if we do have the groups in like sevens or eights or whatever, yeah, it'll be our whole group. So Temi, I believe, has to probably stay for the fall in England. So I think our group is about eight. Dang. Mm. Mm. So we'll be together. And, uh, it, yeah, it'll, be a, it'll be a good situation. Just like old times. Yeah. Man, I might cry yeah. the next the first time we do a power clean. I'm <laughs> saying. I might cry. I'm gonna be so hey. happy. You know what I was thinking though, Ernie? Mm. Um, no matter how long you don't lift, your squat cannot be as bad as it was when I first got to USC. So you should be good. Ah. <laughs> hey, we're gonna say it. it's not. Let's clear the air. It was the deep squat, not just a squat. Oh man! <laughs> but we got that thing up. Well, were you, squat, were you were squatting what, like one eighty, and then yeah. we were at three thirty right before national. Yeah. Yeah, we jump squad was getting getting bulky in there. We was out there making games. Hey, I, I seen it a couple times. You know, after our hey. practice, I would go down there. Did witness it. You know what I'm saying? Y- y- y'all was throwing that weight around. I don't know about Austin, but everybody else, yeah, yeah, what y'all was throwing mean? that weight around. Hey, man, we even had Cassidy lifting. She was lifting some yeah. real weight on the squad. Yeah. yeah. Cass was getting strong, jumping, jump well. It was fun. I miss it. I really miss it, man. I. I I really hope everything comes back real quick. We got to get this group back, and I miss the rest of the guys. And 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 coming up, being on the track every day, watching the sprinters go after it. Oh God, I've never seen anything like it. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Man, be wow. like a truck meet at practice. It's wild every day. So you know, boom, that man, brings up my next question. Oh yeah, go ahead. Oh, you know, when you coaching, you know, your love for athletes. What is your motivation? You know, when you when you bring in a kid, you know, what is what is that thing that keeps you going for coaching? Honestly, the most – for me, what what's got me from day one is just when I help a kid establish a goal, mm. a lot of the time it's a goal that that person didn't really know that they could even have as a goal, right? Like I know, I know Austin can jump eight meters. I don't know if he knows, but I know he can. So, you know, when I was at Cal, I had an athlete who jumped 17 feet in high school and it was barely 17 feet. And, and I, she wasn't going to run track and, right. and I met her mom at state meet 
she made the first day of the state meet and I, some 16 something. And I said, and I, I met her mom and I said, look, I really believe your daughter can jump something. Like, I really believe I can, I can, you know, does she want to come to Cal? We can make it work. And she ended up scoring a Pac-12 her freshman year, jump 19, 19, 8, 19, 9. And, that doesn't mean much to a lot of people, but that type of uh, that type of thing means more to me, or equal to me, as somebody like you know Ernie winning nationals, right? It means the same for me as a coach, because just having a kid realize a dream, changing their whole mindset to to um, to to achieve that, and then mm. they achieve it, and they, and they they outperform, you know. You know, people that they, they never even believe they could beat. Like, it just means everything. So that's part of the, the priority for me is, is sitting with my athletes and setting goals and, 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 and just step by step by step by step. You know, like Cassidy, Cassidy, what she did in Long Beach, you know, and, and things like that. It just makes it all worth it for me. Um, you know, when I got to USC, the first thing me and Ernie spoke about, the very first thing we said, 2.30 at Texas Tech. Remember that? Sure do. It's crazy. I, t- I tell this story all the time. It was amazing. We sat down. We wrote it down. We were right there up on uh, outside Little Galen. Mm-hmm. We, had, we had a pen and paper. We wrote it down. 2.30, Texas I- Tech. Then we, re- we reset and we win nationals. That's what we said, right? Mm-hmm. And that day, I don't know if you guys even remember, I went crazy when he jumped it. Because it, it just all it all just added up to – we work so hard to do that mm-hmm. and for it to happen, it just, um, you know, and so, so deliberately and diligently and carefully and, and step by step by step. That's why I coach. So, uh, that, that's the reason, man. It's, it's an amazing feeling when it all comes together. Ugh. I miss oh. that. So I hope we do it all again just next year. <laughs> no, real life though, like when, when like speaking about goals and just kind of like placing it and then actively working towards it, like just outside of just doing it and in the mind and stuff in a sense, like making sure you're making an effort to do it outside of it. Really, when I got to that that meet, I don't know, I felt. I've never felt more prepared. I think nationals too. Like I felt like I was like, if you could have said over prepared in a sense, like I don't know. Like I just felt like I could have been. I couldn't have been more sharp on things and like just in the moment. So I feel like when you're working for towards the moment or like a goal or in the sense of like something, just working towards something. When you put all the time and effort, and then when it finally comes and you know that you've done the work. It really just comes effortless when it's like there. Like it just. Oh, yeah. It's easy. Everything's easy then, right? Because your mind's already so convinced that. Yep. That it's done. Like the deed is, the work is done, that it's not going to have to really think about what what goes down when it actually, when everything is starting to uh, compete. And that part of it is absolutely critical. The psychological part of it. I mean, yeah. we, we, the, what we do as a group is. Um, Austin, everybody can attest this, you know, Dow. We talk about numbers and distances and heights and achievements. Um, what's what to say? Like 
at, like almost as a past tense. Like we've already done it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Daryl already jumped 16. Austin already jumped 25. Like we already did all. And that's how we do it. And, um, and we talk about it in practice as if it's already happened. And it's not even a question, not even a thing. So, and that really starts to, starts to, to play, have a toll on performance and confidence. And, and it's, it's just so important. And um, yeah, that's something that we do every day. And it's not even a, a conscious thing. We just, we act as if we are achieving what we want to achieve. And you have to have that mindset. Mm-hmm. Always. Always. That's why I say when we come back, a whole lot of other teams in trouble. <laughs> they in trouble. So, boom. I know it's coming up to a I want some change on this podcast. Uh, just everything you said, you know, coach, it's been really, been really, been really good. You know, not only for the audience, for the people that's going to be watching us, but, you know, for us, you know, just this, this is what the world needs. You know, us coming together, you know what I'm saying, just be able to just have, you know, these type of conversations, you know, because although we got a lot of stuff that's going on in the world, just, you know, take a little time out of people's day just to, you know, call, just to see what's up, be able to talk about whatever and be able to hear, you know, different opinions, you know, different viewpoints on things. That's been the big thing. That's what, you know, we try to do on this podcast. You know, we try to promote that, you know, just a conversation, just a conversation. I know it may not seem much or it's just seem as little, but man, just the value of talking to another person and sharing your beliefs is very powerful. Uh-huh. Very powerful. It's been amazing. I, 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 like I said, I did not know what to expect. So uh, this has been, uh, it's been really fun, and uh, it's been really cool seeing these guys again. It's been a while. So now, uh, D. Rob, I really appreciate you uh, asking me, man. Oh yeah, always, always. Now the next time we all see each other, man, I gotta see that one on one with uh, you and Ernie. I gotta see it. <laughs> I've been working on my game. I don't know. I, I guess he has too. But. Gonna be on some pay per view stuff. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be a fee. I set it up and everything. I'm charging twenty dollars at the door. Twenty dollars at the door. Six feet away. I set it up. Oh, that's how it's gotta be, right? Mask, mask, mask. Man, we put on ESPN. You know, TNT, whatever, whatever y'all want. You know what I'm saying? It'd be be everywhere. I want to be on TNT so I can uh, get the inside show after. I can talk. About right, it. right. Okay. Hey, yeah, you know what I'm saying? We set it up. Shaq gonna call Nick barbecue chicken for me. <laughs> oh, I really don't think you could guard me, man. I really don't. I'm too strong for you, bro. You hear this? He is strong, though. Very strong. He is yeah. actually strong. Yeah, I got, I got dad strength. That's why. Hey, I got young man strength now. Yeah, you do. <laughs> There you do. Who has the uh, who has the best clean of the entire group though? Oh, I think it's still your coach. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Mm. For now, I mean, wait. For this. I think Daryl's catching up. Look, he, yeah, I'm get you when we get back. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. That's quite the house, though. Ernie, Daryl, and, and Jordan Scott. My gosh. <laughs> 
That's quite the house. I have a lot of points coming out of this house. A lot of a lot of points. You guys need to stay away from each other. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's so that's really your top three. Man, I've just been thinking about that this, this whole entire time. That's really your top three for for best basketball <laughs> players. Like, we... I've got, I can't get over that. You want me to, uh, you want me to bring my list now? No. Please no. Please no. It's in my notes in my phone. It's right here. <laughs> I might have to Let me my, just go I'm down to – oh, <laughs> I, see, I see one Kobe, so that must be the one. So I click on that one. So, oh, oh, okay. I was a little off. I was a little off. Sorry. Kobe's my number one. MJ's my number two. I forgot. Um, okay. And then we have Allen Iverson. And then we have Russell Westbrook. And then we have Oscar Robinson. And then we have Scottie Pippen, Magic, Grant Hill, Kareem, Kawhi. That's my top ten. <laughs> no Shaq? Nope. No Shaq? That's what? Yeah. Yeah. No. You have to understand. No, okay. No Penny? This is why he says this, though, okay? He is biased to people who are in the NBA and were extremely physically dominant. So LeBron, Shaq, for instance, two of the top five greatest players. Had, hold up, hold up. I had LeBron at 26. 26? <laughs> Yo. Yo. He's basing his talent level off of pure skill and heart, and what he thinks has it. Well, just for perspective, Dennis Rodman is 23rd. Whoa. He's on the list. So, so when, you, when, you, when, you, when you do your list, right? Sir. So let me get this straight. When you do your list, what, what are the things that you're looking at? Like, you're looking at their scoring ability. You know, you're looking at what they did with the team. Like, no, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at everything, everything, everything. Everything. Impact, statistics, attitude. Impact. You know, um, the thing that I can't get over with LeBron, I just it's it's bugging me, and I'm really trying, but I can't. I just can't, I can't get over it. You know, I used to play NBA 2K back in 2000. And you know all yeah, the glitches. Oh boy! <laughs> right? You know, so you know the glitches of the characters. Yeah. Like right. that is how LeBron is, and it's it's hard for me to, to get behind it. Like he is so, like a glitch NBA 2K character. Like the way he dribbles, he's like a robot. It's it's not nice, man. I don't like it. So so you did your comparison for LeBron off of of, of the game. The a glitch with the, with NBA 2K, yeah, yeah. To be honest, you know, because I mean Kawhi, right? Kawhi is not very. He's not exactly super fluid either, but he makes LeBron look. I mean, LeBron looks like like he's got he needs oil himself a lot. Like he's he gets stuck all the time, you know. Wow, thirty five thousand points. <clears throat> yeah, but that says a lot about the league, though, you know. I know it does, though, but not at the same time it doesn't because LeBron is just that great. LeBron took, and we're number one in the West, baby. Um, yeah, to the finals. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna win it. Who do you think it is? Who's your Who's your prediction? Yeah. Uh, Toronto. I like Toronto. I like. I think they're going to win. Okay. They yeah, I, I like that. Got a great coach. Nurse is a great coach. Hey, you want to know what's funny? I'll tell you a little story. Nice. Not really a story, but Nick Nurse was. If you look at his bio, um, when I was in England playing, I played basketball for the Northern Academy of England, 
Um, mm-hmm. he, he was a coach in the, in the BBL, uh, British Basketball League. Mm. So I knew, I knew Nick Nurse. Not, not, I didn't know him, but I, know, I knew of Nick Nurse. I used to go to uh, British basketball games all the time. He was coaching. And for him to, you know, come all the way through and win a title, like, his story is incredible if you really want to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. I knew of him when he was young, a young coach in England. Crazy. I so think you got to run. Who, who coming out the West? Who you got coming out the West? You can say Clippers. <laughs> you don't trust the Clippers. Clippers. I really hope it's the Clippers. I don't. You don't trust them. I just oh. don't. I just don't Stop. like LeBron James. <laughs> I don't like the – wow. So much hate. Wow. No, no, no. It's not hate. It's basketball, right? He's a great person. He's done some good things. Um, I like his, the school situation that he's got in Cleveland. He's, he's, he's yeah. a great guy. I just – I just don't like his game. I like Russell Westbrook's game. Well, I see. Uh, I guess. Yeah, I'm iffy on necessarily like his game. You don't like his game? Not really. I think wow. he's a great player, though. You know, I, I bet Russell Westbrook could have been a 55, 56-foot triple jumper. What do you think, Dow? I believe it. He's got some skill. Yeah, he, 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 he got some explosiveness. Yeah, I, be, I believe it. He, he would be sick on the track. Amazing, I think so. Mm. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Scary. You didn't. You didn't say. Going back to your list, right? Uh, you didn't say. You didn't say KD. Okay. Seventeen. Seventeen. Who else? Steph Curry. Uh, Fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's you Steph over KD. Steph's the greatest. Steph's the greatest shooter of all time. He is. But I can't necessarily put him over KD only because KD is just like KD. Like he's like KD do a lot. Yeah, I'm like actually. I think that's like the most feared score in the NBA. You know, Scottie Pippen was really good too. Yeah, that's cool. I grew up with Allen Iverson though. Like uh, I had, I used to, I used to buy all of his 50 point games on VHS, get them shipped over from America. So I have, um, fan right I there. have probably, t- I don't know, 10 or 15 VHS tapes of AI scoring 50. So um, he's, he was a special, he's a special player. Yeah, that's a different breed right there. Yeah. Vince Carter, number 14. What a guy. What a player. That's <laughs> interesting. Hey, you got Vince over Seth and KD and LeBron. And LeBron. Yeah, and I don't have um, I don't have T Mac in there, and I don't have Penny in there. You don't have T Mac? Yo! Wait, wait. What's your thirty? He is Grant Hill, top ten. He don't have T Mac. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys are funny. Um, I didn't go to thirty. I just went to twenty six. LeBron was twenty six. LeBron was twenty six. Yeah. Okay, who 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 is twenty five? Who who is in your twenties? Twenty five is Kevin Garnett. Yeah. Uh number twenty is Wilt Chamberlain. <laughs> so you don't have Paul Pierce up in there? You don't have the truth up in there? Oh. Paul Pierce did not make it. He's twenty seven. 
Where's Kareem? Hey, hey, you think I'm gonna get like a lot of hate because of this? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I don't. I don't do well with hate. I don't want hate on the Instagram page. <laughs> you gonna get you gonna get a lot of DMs talking about say hey so about your list. Uh, Put it on Twitter. Hey, can we cut? Can we cut this part about the list? <laughs> yeah, nah, nah. Your Twitter is something else. Yo, your Twitter. Is oh, I just else. have a little fun. Huh? It's mostly coaching. It's like ninety percent coaching. <laughs> oh my goodness! I just like you to mess with Ernie. I like to mess with Ernie. Yeah. I grow. That is crazy. But yeah, Kobe, number one, baby, Kobe, all day. See, I respect that. I respect yeah. that. Kobe, Black Mamba. Special, special, special. You know what I'm saying? I respect Kobe. I respect yeah. MJ. You know, one or two. Okay, I understand that. Al Iverson. Okay, I understand that. But after the three, uh, yeah, you went way left with that one. Way left. Okay, so I got the, the person that averaged three consecutive years of triple-double followed by the person that averaged a season of a triple-double. There are only two players in the history that have ever done that. LeBron can't he can't average triple double. Yeah, he took he took the East to. I mean, his whole thing he, he get his team better. He get his team to the chip. I mean, look, the problem though is is you can't be you can't be top ten of all time if you're three and six. I mean, it's just bottom line, man. That's that's a lot. AI doesn't even have a ring. Wait, 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 wait. hold on, hold on. Yeah, what's the ring? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so three and six, right? Don't uh hey, I never had space got rings? No, nah, man, I'm not I'm not going into this debate no Listen, more. In the hardest era of basketball, AI took the worst team in NBA history relative to the era to the finals. Yeah, I respect that. I respect that. You remember Bro, the you know 07 Spurs or the Cavs? George Lynch. Hey, George I, I Lynch. That. Matt Geiger, Eric Snow, Aaron McKee. Y'all remember that team, bro? Like, hey, this reminds me of but that, that team was better than seven Cavs. Mo Williams? Took. No, no, they weren't. They, yeah. had, yeah. they had Larry Brown as coach. They couldn't even name three other players on their team with LeBron. Only person you could name was Verjao. <laughs> he had the curly hair. That's the only reason you remember. Gauskas and Daniel Booby Gibson. Kobe Gibson. Similar. It was similar, but the era was different, right? You're talking about, I mean, back when Kobe did it, everybody, all the greats were still playing. Back, I, when, uh, back when Iverson did it, they were all, all the greats were still playing. What? He saw the Spurs in the Dynasty Spurs. Like, this is peak Spurs. Yeah, but here's another thing. AI was 5'11". I met him. He was 5'11". He wasn't even as tall as me. And LeBron is he's huge, and he's a great athlete, and he's big. So, I have to have players to win. He ain't got no skill, though. You know? All right. I'm done talking about this. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, love you guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been fun. Yeah, like you said before, man, I really appreciate, you know, taking the time out your busy schedule, you know, to come chop it up with with us. Always. Really appreciate it. And, you know, if you get some DMs about, you know, your list, then uh, it's, it's not my fault. You know what I'm saying? You put it on yourself. Hey, hopefully, y'all, hopefully you get some good content. And um, try not to, when you edit this, try not to make me look bad now. <laughs> this is going to be him talking about how he hates LeBron the whole time. Hey, you know the little snippet, Austin? We should put yeah. what he said on this as a snippet.
Stop, man. Stop. <laughs> Clickbait. I'm going to clip it. I'm going to clip it. Oh, man. Have fun with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, we good? Yeah, Coach. Appreciate yeah. you. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate it. See you soon. All right, guys. Later, man. All right. Man, you... Bruh. Yeah, that man a fool. That man a that man a fool, bro.